Hey fans, welcome to this week's edition of the Yellow Jacket Experience. I'm your host, Thomas Poole, Director of Athletic Communications here at AIC. And this week we have a basketball twofer coming your way. First, we'll be head women's basketball coach Kristen Hutchinson as she talks about the team's upcoming season as well as how she found her way to AIC and became one of the best athletes in school history. We also talked to head men's basketball coach Andy Burkholder as he discusses his 2019-20 team as well as their upcoming season. Our first guest today is head women's basketball coach Kristen Hutchinson. Uh, coach, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. So you guys have obviously had a little bit of time to practice as you guys are gearing up for your first game this weekend and you're heading down to St. Thomas Aquinas uh, for a conference challenge. And can you talk a little bit about what you're expecting this weekend from your team and then also facing off against Stack and uh, University of D.C.? Well, we definitely graduated a lot of uh, points from our team last year. So Do you think? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so we're coming in to this season um, – you know, with a whole different lineup than we've had, you know, the past four years. So um, I'm just expecting our team to play as hard as possible, um, step up and in, in, in play some de defense and defend and, you know, just work really, really hard. Mm -hmm. So obviously you already mentioned it, Dana Watts and Alyssa Guyon, two really hard players on the offensive side of the ball that are tough to replace. Uh, do you have a couple players who are really, who you have confidence in going into this weekend that you well, yeah, we got um, Rashana Siders is back. Uh, she led us. She's the returning leading scorer from our, our team last year. Um, so we're looking for her to step up this year and definitely take the leadership role on. Uh, last year, she had to play the point for us, um, which we're going to do a little bit more this year, and mm -hmm. she's going to play off the ball a little bit. Um, we have a lot of newcomers as well. Um, we have Kayla Robinson, who is a freshman, who we expect big things from this season. Um, Asia Turner is a transfer. Uh, Sarah Gunton and uh, Regine um, Blakeney is all uh, our new players. So we're expecting big things from them. And then we need our returners to step up. And they know the league and they know what's expected. So they're doing a good job in practice. So not only that, but you also have two former players who are now turning their sights to the bench and helping you uh, on the other side of the ball. Can you talk a little bit about that and what's going to be like having those two individuals for you? Yeah, so Alyssa Guyon and Dominique Boyd are back on staff. Mm -hmm. It's great having them back here. Um, the girls really respond well to them because they've been through it. So they're just not talking to talk. They've actually walked the walk. So uh, it's great to have them practice. It's great to bounce off the ideas off of them, and they're working really, really hard. So we know that you're obviously a local. Can you talk a little bit about your decision to come to AIC? Well, I, <coughs> when I was doing my college search, I definitely wanted to play basketball mm -hmm. um, and soccer. And AIC was one of the only other one of the only schools that would let me play both, um, being on a basketball scholarship. Mm -hmm. um, probably if I didn't end up here, I probably would have went to UMass and just played soccer. Mm -hmm. um, but I decided to come here. My dad said, "If you go to AIC, I'll buy you a brand new car." <laughs> so uh, I came to AIC, and it was the best decision I ever made. <clears throat> Uh, I played soccer and basketball for four years. Mm -hmm. um, our teams had a lot of success. I had great teammates. I had great coaches. And then my senior year, Coach Croft asked me if I would join the softball team. 
Um, I was a little reluctant at first, but I decided to do it. And then I came back for my fifth year and played softball for our last championship team. So obviously while you were here as a basketball player, you saw quite a bit of success. Can you talk a little bit about your time at ASC and what really made that those teams come together and, I mean, really dominate in um, certain aspects? Yeah, we had – our coaching staff was great. Um, we had really, really good players. Um, my former teammate, Rona McKenzie um, from Canada, she she was a great player, 1,000-point scorer, I think 1,000 rebounds. Uh, we just had – we were lucky. We just had really good players that wanted to win, that worked hard for our program, and just got better year and year, year after year. And, you know, it was fortunate that I was able to be part of it. So then your experience – obviously was a completely different experience than what a lot of people get to see because obviously being in the conference championship race year and you're out very competitive teams I would imagine that you not only played on but faced against but what was it like to not only have that aspect I guess while you were playing but being able to take that experience from having that as a player here to really being a coach and expecting that same level of experience or expertise? Uh, well, it's funny you say that because a lot of the coaches that coached when I played are still coaching now. <laughs> so, uh, and a lot of their things that they've done throughout the years haven't changed. Mm -hmm. So I definitely have an advantage, I think, when it comes to that because I know, you know, what style of defense they play, what offensive sets they run. Um, and then, you know, it's just kind of – bringing our intensity up every day and knowing that our league's physical, knowing that our league is tough, like the top division two conference in the country. If you win our league, if you win the region, you have a chance for the national championship. Uh, and that's just the kids buying into it and believing in us and believing what we're doing. Uh, but it, it is, it's a great league and it gets better every year. So then I think it, another interesting fact that about you is that you're also one of the best soccer players in AIC history. I mean, you're at least up there in points and goals and such. Can you talk a little bit about your experience on the pitch as well as it was on the court? So, uh, yeah, soccer. I love soccer. <laughs> um, we had really good teams. I was fortunate to be on. Uh, we won the regular season my freshman year in 1998. Mm -hmm. um, we lost in the conference uh, finals to Bentley. I think it was 2-1. to one. They got a penalty kick. I still remember that oh. game. Um, <laughs> a, little, a little pain right there. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then, uh, I don't know, I was just fortunate to play with good people. My freshman year, I was freshman of the year. Mm -hmm. um, my junior year, I got player of the year. And then my senior year, I actually got hurt. Um, so I only played, I think, in about eight to ten games, um, which the first time in my career that I ever missed games because of an injury. Well, and that's something that's sort of interesting. I mean, never really having to sit out or miss games for injury, but not or let alone in one sport, but also having two sports to where you really have that medical. I know the best word to say it, but just staying <laughs> healthy. I mean, was there, yeah. did you have any tips or tricks, or was it just you're young and able no. to run and go? I think if I didn't have basketball my senior year, too, I probably would have tried to play in soccer, but my basketball coach kind of <laughs> put an end to that. So, uh, no, I've just been fortunate. Take care of yourself. Uh, get a lot of sleep. Eat right. And take care of your body. Um, but I was young, and I was now, forget it, but <laughs> back then I was I was young and healthy. So you've obviously seen the transition over the past so many years of AIC as a whole, as a campus, as an athletic department. 
I guess from the campus standpoint, what's the thing that has changed the most since you step on campus as a pr prospective student athlete? Um, definitely there's a lot more now, <laughs> even though the student athletes don't think so, uh, that than what we had, um, my whole team lived in the same dorm. We had oh, one wow. dorm pouch. Um, it was all girls dorm. Uh, and now they have apartment suites. They have condos. Uh, the dining commons is great. Um, I mean, I always like the food too, but, uh, it, it's just, it's changed so much. Mm -hmm. Um, the biggest thing, especially when Vince came on, is he took out the bushes that were around <laughs> the quad and made that open for all the old uh, players that are listening. Um, that So that's different. But I just think, you know, AIC is still a family atmosphere. Uh, the professors, the coaching staff, the staff, they all want uh, the student athletes to be successful. They're mm -hmm. looking out for each other. And that's what makes AIC really special. And what do you think the biggest difference has been on the athletic side of campus or just in athletics as whole, as an all? Uh, I think we're growing. Our sports have definitely um, increased. Uh, we're, every team is, is trying to make the playoffs. Mm -hmm. And we really, all the coaches support each other. And we want each other to do well. And we're supportive. Uh, definitely our facilities have improved since I played here. Um, we used to have to share a locker room with the football team. Now we have our own, so that that's that's helpful. Um, we didn't even have a, a, a turf field when I was here. And now we – and baseball and softball fields look great. Mm -hmm. So a lot of things have been updated. Um, but we're all here just, just trying to win games and, and have our student-athletes graduate. I'm sure sharing a locker room with the football team was very interesting as a female, and just hoping that you don't go into <laughs> the locker room or the wrong. I mean, because they're well, in your season, you're starting. Yeah, so. we had to wait till they kind of were done. So we would actually, back in the day, we would Bentley would be on one side of the locker room, and we would be on the other side, and then we would both get changed, and then we would have to go somewhere else for our pregame speech, and then after <laughs> football was over, we transitioned into their locker room. Yeah, that definitely. I mean. I don't think that that obviously would ever happen now. Well, that's yeah. definitely something, a unique spin, and I'm obviously glad that we've made that change. Yep. <laughs> Me too. But you mentioned Judy Groff a little bit. You've played for two years for her. How was she influential in helping you become a coach and then, I guess, reaching a different success um, than you had on the field? Uh, coach Groff is great. She uh, would just yell my name down in the offices here, Patterson, I need some help. And I'd run in there and, and help her out. She's obviously a Hall of Fame coach. I was lucky to play for her. She's a, a good friend to me to this day, and we have a very good relationship. So not only that, but you've been inducted into the Hall of Fame yourself as an individual, and then you were members of teams that were – inducted to the Hall of Fame. What does that mean to you to not only be recognized for what you what you did on the court, on the field, on the diamond, but also as a coach as well? Um, I don't really look too much into those awards. I mean, it's nice to get recognized, but mm -hmm. a lot of people went into those. It's just not me. I had great teammates. I had great coaches. Um, I had great supporters in my family and friends. So, uh, yeah, it's nice to get recognized, but I don't really – you know, I think maybe when I'm a lot older, it will be stories I can tell my kids. <laughs> they won't believe it, but 
Uh, but I mean, I'm sure that there's film and pictures going around, so they could actually believe it and see it. And yeah. I know I see them running around the gym all the time, at yes. least for, for your games now. And when you bring out and w come watch the other teams, they're obviously running around and yes, and, uh, making a lot of noise. Yeah. Hey, they're just cheering <laughs> you on. That's all it is. Right. I mean, I can't remember. There's probably been three or four games where I've seen games on the line at home, other teams shooting free throws, and they're the loudest too in the gym. <laughs> just try to help bomb out. Oh yeah, I'm trying to get Michael and Molly to be <clears throat> sit on the bench this year and be water girls, water girl and boy. So we'll see how that goes. So if you don't mind me asking, how has being able to bring your children and really involve them with the team uh, been a huge, uh, I won't say adjustment, but been a nice perk for you and for your team and building that family atmosphere since having my children it's put a lot of things in perspective mm -hmm. um you know it for me it was basketball 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 all the time now you know molly michael and kara don't care that we lost a game by two points they need to get fed and <coughs> put to bed and mm -hmm. snuggles from mom so you know it, it definitely puts a perspective um and the fact that you are down and then they smile and it just lights you up and your heart melts. So it, it's it's great. Yeah, I mean, I know that whenever you see coaches, especially as the years go on and they see some success, obviously one of the big times where you see coaches interacting with their children is during the NCAA tournament, mm -hmm. especially at the big stage, Final Four, whatever. Mm -hmm. And you always see the kids accompanying their parents. Is that something that you like seeing and being able to do as a coach, having your kids involved in what you do professionally? Oh, of course. We spend so much time here that if the kids weren't <laughs> able to come here, I would never see them. So the chances that, you know, the chance that I get to see them before a game, they get to come in the locker room after the game. Mm -hmm. They get to visit mom at work. They get to shoot, you know, some hoops or I, I, I get take them outside to the soccer game or the softball game. And they see these young student athletes and they have role models to look up to. They love seeing the team. They love when the team comes to the house. Um, I think they're going to even enjoy it as they get a little bit older. Um, but right now it's just, it's fun for them. Let's go to mommy's work. Let's run around. Let's, you know, be crazy. Yeah. So as we wrap things up, the one question I ask every single person is what moment in life has influenced you the most? I would say the birth of my twins. Um, that was changed my life for the best. Um, it's my favorite job is being a mother. I'm blessed to be a mom. Um, and I, I really just enjoy my kids, love my kids. And they are, you know, twins is, is a double blessing, they say. Um, and it definitely is. And I was, I'm, I'm, I'm very blessed to be their mother. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Coach, and uh, good luck this weekend down in uh, New York. Thank you very much. Our second guest today is head men's basketball coach Andy Burkholder. Thanks for joining us, uh, Andy. Thanks for having me. Uh, so 
This year, you guys have the unique opportunity to open the season at home against Holy Family University and Jefferson in the conference meetup or showdown. Can you talk a little bit about what it's like to finally open the season at home? Yeah, well, it's it's obviously exciting for us. Uh, we've been on the road three straight years, and mm -hmm. uh, you know, guys like to play in front of their friends, uh, their their classmates, um, fellow student athletes here. So, yeah, it's exciting, uh, and and I, we do a great job here. You know, when we hosted the regional uh, four or five years ago, um, our staff here does a real good job hosting events. So yeah, we're excited to put our best foot forward and and uh, start competition at home for a change. So you obviously mentioned your players who are excited to play at home for the first time and open the season. Can you talk a little bit about your team and what you're expecting to see from them this year? Yeah, uh, well, we have uh, a lot of new faces. We, we do have a lot of key returners as well. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, we spent the better part of the, the preseason here trying to figure each other out, um, see which combinations work the best. Um, you know, we're we're pretty talented, uh, maybe as talented or more talented uh, than we've ever been. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that doesn't always add up to, to wins. You know, you have to kind of figure it out and, and learn each other. So we're, we're doing those things and just trying to get a little bit better, you know, every day. So you mentioned, once again, a lot of new players. And who are some of the ones who have stood out to you so far in practice? I know without giving too much away before you're opening games this weekend. Yeah, no, um... Well, we, we added a lot of guys. We, we have a lot of recruited walk-ons who bring a ton of value, mm -hmm. um, specifically in practice uh, with their effort and energy. Um, you know, so they, they've, been, they've been doing really well for us. Um, and, and then we have four, four, four other guys, new guys, and they've, they've all brought value so far. Um, you know, we, we got Gory Venable, um, a Division II transfer who we tried to recruit a couple years ago. Mm -hmm. um, he's been really good uh, on the boards for us. Uh, Shaheem Hicks, uh, a transfer, has been scoring the ball well lately. Um, Matija Radovich, uh, another transfer, is a big wing, um, a lot of versatility for us. Um, and uh, then we have a freshman out of Richmond, Virginia, Jalen Jordan, who's uh, who's kind of ja a jack of all trades. Um, he's going to be a really good player f uh, for us in this league. So you mentioned Radovic. It sounds like you are starting to uh, fall in line with the volleyball team as well, having multiple Serbians uh, on the team. Can you talk a little bit about um, Bonnie's hand and sort of possibly bringing Radovic here? Yeah, sure. Um, it, it's it's interesting. You know, you don't really think about it, but. Uh, in, in Belgrade, Serbia, there's only so many guys that play basketball. <laughs> yeah, and yep. th this is, th you know, Bonnie told us this, you know, so there might be 100, 125 guys that play. Um, so it's a small community and uh, everybody kind of knows everyone. So, you know, since we've had Bonnie, anytime we see somebody from Serbia on a roster, you know, we kind of ask him and if they're from, they're from Belgrade, he, he, he knows, knows them. them. Yeah, yeah. So when Mattia um, was going to transfer last year, uh, I don't know if we asked Bonnet or he came into the office first and he told us about him and had a lot of good things to say about him. So I know in the past, Jan and Potic and Doris Coprin have really told me that having a fellow Serbian on the court has made the game a lot easier for him. Obviously, with the translation um, mm -hmm. of the language has, has definitely made things difficult at times for them. Mm -hmm. But having someone that they can communicate with on the court naturally has helped them heightened their game. Have you noticed the same thing in practice for them? 
Uh, yeah, I, possibly. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I guess you'd have to ask them. Um, I mean, Bonnet's just a totally different player this year, physically and mentally. You know, he, he was trying to overcome. Last year was his first year back on the court uh, mm -hmm. after a, a, a knee injury. He's a totally different player. Um, now, m maybe Mattia has something to do with that as well, uh, a little bit of a comfort level. But, you know, when we break up and we shoot in practice, they're, you know, sometimes they're together. And when you see them together, it's like, oh, that makes sense. But, mm -hmm. you know, other times they're not. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'll have to ask him now that you brought that up. <laughs> so then you guys also brought in, as you mentioned, Hicks, uh, another Division One transfer. What's it like for you guys being able to go out and find those Division One transfers who are looking to get some more of that playing time or find a new role and to really insert them into your system right away? Yeah, um, well, you know, it's just it's just how the recruiting process goes now, um, particularly with the transfer portal and the availability to see everybody out there that is transferring. Um, you know, and we had a relationship. Well, th there's a relationship going back to prep school days at Commonwealth Academy. Um, both Jordan Vidal and Shy played for Tony Bergeron okay. at Commonwealth. So we knew who Shy was. Um, and uh, when that popped up, that was kind of a no-brainer for us. Yep. So then looking at your games this weekend, obviously you have two really tough opponents, but opponents who you've seen over the past couple of years, what are you expecting for Holy Family and Jefferson this weekend? Well, Holy Family has a, has a new coach. Now, he was the assistant coach there, so... Mm -hmm. Um, over the past couple of years. So I don't know if they're going to stick with what they've kind of been doing under the former coach or if they're going to have something brand new. Uh, we'll try to be ready for uh, everything uh, mm -hmm. as far as they go. Um, and then with Jefferson, you know, I mean, they have a Hall of Fame coach. Nobody's won more basketball games ever uh, than Herb McGee. Um, they run a lot of offensive sets. They're really sound offensively. And, you know, they're probably one of the top three or four teams, at least on paper, in the region to mm -hmm. start the season. So we expect them to be, to, be, to be really good as well. I think something that's unique about the schedule that you were able to put together this year is how you're not diving right into conference play. It seems like in the years past you've gotten maybe these two games and you're hopping straight into the conference. But this year you have, what, five games before you reach conference play when you open against Pace on November 23rd? Yeah, well, that that's real. That really happened with with Merrimack going Division One, and then uh, you know one less league game, mm -hmm. um, so they they pushed some things back, and it, it was something we wanted as coaches as well because it's it's easier to get those non-conference games early on. Yep. Um, the other conferences, I don't believe, play as many league games as we do, so they start even later. So their open dates are, you know, prior to when we, you know, Can get going play. in conference. Yep. Yeah, sure. So let's transfer a little bit and get to know you. Can you talk a little bit how you got started in basketball and really your transition to, I guess, talk us through your senior year of high school? Uh, yeah, well, uh, senior year of high school, um, you know, I got recruited by a bunch of schools, Division three schools, and I, I uh, chose to go to Elizabethtown College. Um, had a great experience there. Um, and I had an extra semester just to take a couple classes in the fall of 97. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, all I knew from the time I could join a team in, in middle school was practice after school, <laughs> you know, something to do after school. I played football, I played baseball, I played volleyball. 
Um, so I get done with my, you know, athletic career, and it was like, wow, what am I going to do at 3, 4 o'clock every day now? So actually it was on a trip over to England, Ireland, and Wales after my senior year on a, on a ferry over going over to Wales where I sat down with the head coach at the time, Bob Slosher, and mm-hmm. asked him if he thought I could volunteer you know, next year, I didn't plan on moving after I was done with my couple classes in the fall. I was going to stay in the Elizabethtown area. Um, so that started uh, five years of, you know, being an assistant coach there. Some years making zero money, one, another year making $1,000. And I had other jobs, you know, during the day. And then, uh, and then we were really good. And, uh, the 2002 season, uh, we, we went to the national championship game, uh, lost in the national championship game. And, but it was prior to that, that year that I decided, uh, about a year and a half before that, that I decided that this is what I really wanted to, to try to do, try mm-hmm. to pursue. Well, and that's one of the things that I don't think a lot of people truly understand, as especially when looking at the D3 and AI routes for coaches, a lot of them are doing that along with other side hustles just to make mm-hmm. the bills pay. Where, what's an interesting job you might have had uh, during <laughs> that time frame? <clears throat> well, I worked for a plumber, a guy named Joe DeBart. Um, he'd pick me up. He'd beep the horn at like 5 in the morning, and <laughs> I'd hop in the car, and he'd get me McDonald's, and I'd do everything on a job that he didn't want to do. I'd <laughs> reach my hands in places and uh i was more like his buddy i don't know how much i helped him other than get some tools here and there but i did that um i worked at an addictions and behavioral health Mm -hmm. uh, facility um i worked for a network marketing firm during that time and then i also worked for the Mannheim auto auction in Mannheim, pennsylvania the largest auto auction in the world and sold autotrader.com websites and a dealer management system uh, did a lot of different, a lot of different things and, you know, uh, left all those jobs on good terms and, but, you know, just wanted to try something different. But my heart was always at three, four o'clock mm-hmm. every day, getting, getting back to Elizabethtown and getting on the court with the guys. So then I guess what was the most interesting task that you did or the most interesting story you had from one of those odd end jobs? Oh, well, I had to, with the plumber, I mean, he was, he's quite a character to begin with. Uh, there was a, a building in, in Elizabethtown that had, that had flooded, and he told me I had to go down in there, and uh, I forget what, turn a valve off or something, but what he neglected to tell me that it was sewage, you know, before I got down there, and, Gosh. Uh, you know, so I had to walk, th- I mean, I had equipment on and everything, but that was... Uh, that that was interesting. That was interesting. <laughs> and you mentioned one of the jobs that you had was at a behavioral type of mm-hmm. institution. Yeah, yeah. Did you learn a lot from working with those patients mm-hmm. that you were able to carry into real life? Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, it, you, you really need to have empathy, you know. Um, you don't know what somebody's going through, what they've been through, mm-hmm. what they've seen, um, you know, the way that they're acting or or what they're saying, you know, is probably more of a result of, you know, their environment or what, what their morning was like, you know. So I try to always, w- with everybody, instead of judging immediately or, uh, 
or trying to offer solutions all the time. I just try to understand that I don't know what, what they, they've gone through today, yesterday, or the past 10 years and, and try to listen and, and uh, kind of take things from, from there. So switching back over to basketball a little bit, you mentioned you reached a national championship game, something that not very many people can say across any level of collegiate sports. What was that feeling like for you knowing that you're going into the national championship game with the possibility of being the best team in the country that year? Yeah, that was that was a surreal experience. Um, you know, we we thought we could be pretty good at the beginning of that year, and uh, we started off. Uh, I think our we had an early season loss to Franklin and Marshall, who was ranked at the time. We were not ranked, mm-hmm. and um, you know, we just we we just had a group of guys that that really liked each other, trusted each other, cared about each other, um, and we had a lot of guys that could put the ball in the basket. Um, yeah, so we, we, you know, we made it all the way to the national championship game, and there was really like an innocence about that group because I, I think it was, it was truly the the team the team sense where, not one guy really cared about himself as much as he cared about all the, the guys to his left and his and to his right. So, um, yeah, that was a that was a special year, one I, I'll never forget, and uh, I have a lot of nice pictures and. Uh, uh, you know, memories from that from that year. So then, from Elizabeth Town, did you make the jump directly to Springfield College, or was there a, a little gap in between? No, I, I came right from Elizabeth Town to Springfield College. I was the graduate assistant there for Charlie Brock for two years, mm-hmm. um, and uh, then I got an assistant position at Shepherd University in the uh, Eastern Panhandle of West Virginia. Mm-hmm. I was there for about for a year but really about nine ten months and then uh art Latowski offered me the assistant position here in 2005 so i've been here since so was that a position with art did you know art before you actually took the position because you worked at springfield college or how did that connection get made yeah no actually i did not um even though we're only a couple blocks away i never made it to aic uh, during my two years at springfield um it was through a, a Springfield alum, um, Jeff Rafferty, uh, told me that, you know, Art's assistant had left mm-hmm. and he was looking for somebody. And I think we were in, I think the the, con- the NABC convention, the Final Four was in St. Louis that year, I think. Oh, five, yep. Yeah, and uh, we, we, we met, on, I think it was a, a Sunday night at a, a gathering. Um, Art and I, we were introduced and he said, you know what, let's let's meet tomorrow morning. It was like 7 a.m. or 8 a.m. at the, the hotel mm-hmm. lobby area. And because we both had flights, I think, around, you know, noontime or shortly thereafter. So we sat down there and we talked uh, 20, 30 minutes at least. And then he called me one, you know, the next day and we scheduled a an on-campus interview here. And I, I flew up. I think I flew up. I don't know. I don't know if I flew or if I drove from West Virginia, but I uh, came up here for the interview, and then the day after the interview, he offered me the position. And then I know that you've had other tasks or duties as assigned since you've been here at ASC. Mm-hmm. What what have some of those entailed? Well, I was arts assistant for, I believe, six years, and then after the 2011 season, um, when I found out that I was having another daughter, Mm-hmm. Uh, decided that it was probably maybe a 
good idea to try to make a little more money and and uh, I was offered by Rich Bedard the director of compliance position here um, so I did that for three years mm-hmm. um, and, and during that time the, the, the first year I did not coach at all but then the following two years I was the head coach at Southwick High School which is the town I live in just across the Connecticut River so that I'm sure made wife in general and family obviously you mentioned adding another daughter i'm sure that made life a little bit more difficult and busyness or busier uh how were you able to really handle the balance of full-time here at asc coaching high school as well as the family yeah well when you go from (laughs) what we do here and the amount of hours that we put in and, and really the length of our season um you know we start officially on the 15th of october but you know we start up here the second week of classes with our preseason activities. Um, plus you add in recruiting to that mm-hmm. and the travel for that. So when, when I stepped away for those three years, um, I had a lot of time that there wasn't really any balancing, uh, you know, in the high school season, you can't do anything with your guys up here in new England until the Monday after Thanksgiving. So we started practice. And I think I remember looking at the schedule we had, uh, because the athletic director set the, sch- the the competition schedule up. Mm-hmm. I think we had four or five days of practice before we played our first real game. Oh, gosh. Forget about a scrimmage. So, you know, you're right into it, and then by the time you get to the, you know, third week of February, you're, you're just about done. So mm-hmm. um, that, for me at that point in my life, that was just the right amount, having three little girls at home, um, I was able to be home a lot. I'm not sure if that was great for my wife or not <laughs> at the time, um, but uh, but yeah, it wasn't. It really wasn't that hard at that point to balance. It's getting harder now as as my daughters get older, and there's always activities on the weekends and um, a- and at night uh, during the week. So uh, it it's actually getting harder and harder. Mm-hmm. So then, what made you have the bug to get back into collegiate coaching? when the AIC spot opened. Yeah, I never I never lost the bug. It was a it was it was more like a life and trying to do the right thing. Now now my wife said all the right things and I do I know she meant it. She said, you know, you don't have to take this this other job for a little more money. You can stay doing what you're doing, but I just felt like at the time that was the right thing to do f- for my family. Mm-hmm. Um I had every intention of getting back into it. Um as soon as I possibly could. And then, you know, in May of uh, 2014, uh, May or June, um, Art got offered the job with the Detroit Pistons as their advanced scout with Stan Van Gundy. And there started the process of a search for the head coach, mm-hmm. you know, here at AIC. So then in the time since then, I'm guessing you've really enjoyed being back full-time and leading this program oh yeah no no <laughs> doubt about it it's, re- it it's really what i've always wanted to do since i've arrived here um you know on roosevelt avenue so yeah i'm very happy so as we wrap things up the one question i ask every single person who comes on the podcast is what moment in life has influenced you the most well unfortunately it was the the loss of one of my best friends um back in 2000 and then uh, shortly thereafter, uh, 9/11 happened, and you know you 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 start to reflect and you think about what you're doing and what you're doing on a daily basis and what kind of impact are you making? Are you happy? Are you having fun? Um, 
you know, like with my friend who lost his life in a car accident. Um, and uh, then obviously, you know, not all the people that lost their lives uh, in 9-11, you know, I, it just started making me really, really think like, you know, you never know when your time's up. Um, and uh, I just decided at that point before I, you know, had a family, if I was going to have a family or get married and all that sort of stuff that I was really going to try to do something that I like to do every day where I didn't feel like I was going into work every day. Um, so, you know, I had the support of my parents, to be totally honest, and, you know, I couldn't have started all that with, without their support, and I know not everybody has that all the time, but I did, and uh, I tried to take advantage of that, and that's, that's really what led me to, to, to come up here to Springfield College and pursue my master's degree and, um, you know, and kind of take it from there. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Coach, and uh, good luck this weekend as you guys host the conference showdown, and we'll see you guys on the court this weekend. Thanks, Tom. Appreciate it. And that wraps up Episode 10 of the Yellow Jacket Experience. I'm your host, Thomas Poole, and be sure to join us for many games this week. On Tuesday, November 5th, women's soccer will host Southern New Hampshire University at 4 p.m., on Wednesday, November 6th, men's soccer will host Franklin Pierce University on Senior Day at 6 p.m. On Saturday, November 8th, volleyball will host Bentley University at 7 p.m. as they also celebrate Senior Day. On Saturday, November 9th, football will host St. Anselm College, once again, another Senior Day at noon, followed by a men's basketball doubleheader at 5 and 7 o'clock. The Yellow Jackets will take on Holy Family University at 7. Then on Sunday, the Yellow Jackets will round out the weekend as men's basketball will host Jefferson at 2 p.m. There is another game at noon right before that. Thank you for joining us this week, and we'll see you this weekend.